and he was leaving and asked if I'd like to teach. And so uh, I should have been ready because four months ago he said, you know, try to have something ready in case I'm going to leave. And then when he asked, I said, well, I have some ideas, but I'm not ready. <laughs> and, uh, but anyways, I go, what do you want me to teach on? And he just said, you know, well, share what's on your heart, whether it's a real heart issue or whether, you know, just a topic you really want to teach on, whatever God puts on your heart. And so basically, as I was praying about what to teach on for a couple weeks, it pretty much got down to the issue of the heart. Man, Lord, help us to keep our hearts right. Help us not to let our hearts get hard. Help us not to let them get sour. Help them not to go astray, however far you want to take that. That's what God put on my heart like, and starting with me, just with the things in this world and even in our own personal lives, it's amazing how quick our hearts can go sour. So with that in mind, can you uh, turn to Proverbs chapter 4? And we're going to look at just a few verses starting in 20. Proverbs 4. And if you could stand, we'll read it together. Proverbs 4.20 says, My son, give attention to my words, incline your ear to my sayings, do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. So let's pray. Father, I just thank you. You love us. Thank you for everyone here this morning. And we pray you just speak to us to your, through your word. We need you to just get our hearts right with you. We need our minds renewed, our, our souls restored. We just need you, Jesus. So minister to us by your word and your spirit. In Jesus' name, everyone said. So one of the things that stirred me to think about having our hearts right was I had spent some time with a good friend. We were surfing, and his uh, livelihood is he has a lot of commercial real estate. And, you know, he goes through the ups and downs of renting and not renting, and he's usually pretty good at watching who he rents to. But what happened was, this is like actually quite a while back, like maybe 15 years ago, he got into the classic situation where you had a crazy person with a track record of frivolous lawsuits, and he somehow missed the boat on checking on the guy's background. And what happened was, he was telling me this story, and basically what happened was, it turned into a five-year legal battle where he wasn't going to cut his losses. He was going to fight this guy to the end because it was uh, lies and frivolous. And ultimately, $600,000 later, it finally, and that was pulling some uh, equity and stuff to fund the lawyers. But ultimately, the truth came out, and the guy got called out, and it was over. And... What happened was they went to a mediator and then to get his lawyer fees paid, and ultimately he got like whatever, $50,000, and it was supposed to be taken care of after that. Then the guy disappeared. So all that to say, even before the settlement and the win, he said, you know, 
my heart went south. My heart got hard. I mean, me and my wife sometimes, you know, we would just come home and we wouldn't even look at each other because they were just so into the battle where it was just souring their heart. And so, so I'm talking to them, and this, this was a couple of weeks ago, and it happened because they were in a new frivolous lawsuit with someone who literally lied, and, uh, and this is more of a neighborhood thing, and that type of thing. And so I'm in their house, and I'm talking to them, and, and the wife kind of goes, well, well so what, you know, what do you think? And they're pretty good at, like, not opening up a can of worms, you know, but somehow we did. And ultimately, what happened was, oh, yeah, there we go. Uh, she goes, what do you think? And I go, you know, like, what do you say? And I basically said, you know what comes to my mind? Man, I, I pray God would guard your heart because if I was in your shoes, you know, that's the kind of thing people go, my heart got hard. I, you know, it just ruined my heart, you know. And, and she goes, that's interesting you say that because I was just talking to a friend who's not Christian and we were talking about the situation and that's what he said to me. He said, whoa, the bigger picture here is, you know, man, just watch that your heart doesn't go south. And so with that in mind, uh, shared another scripture about uh, being tenderhearted and forgiving and as God's forgiven us. And we kind of went on. But uh, what was wild after that was a couple, well, we won't go there yet. So God put on my heart, even in my own life, let's, let's keep our hearts right. So what's interesting about Proverbs 4 where it says, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it proceed the issues of life is uh, it's kind of like Jesus said this. Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. All your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Well, I'm going to read a definition of heart. The heart is the center of our relationship with God, or not. The heart and soul are often used interchangeably in the Bible. The heart is the seat of conscience. The heart is sometimes for the mind and understanding, sometimes for the will, sometimes for affection, sometimes for conscience, and sometimes for the whole soul. So what's interesting is, you know, our soul and our heart and our mind, basically, God's going, I want your heart right. And what we... We're going to kind of do a little review of stuff you guys all know here about the heart. And it says this. Jesus said, A good man out of the treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil things. For from, for from within, out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, and all foolishness. And then Jeremiah goes and says, the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So some of us, we kind of all know that, like as Christians. We know, no, the real issue is, you know, I need a new heart. You know, I need, I need God to totally change my heart big time. And what's wild about the gospel, for us, as Christians, we know 
we're not trying to renovate and renew our old heart. We're starting out with, as Ezekiel said, God said, I will take your heart of stone and give you a new heart, a heart of flesh, and I'll put my spirit in you and I, so you can keep my commandments. So we kind of, the whole accepting the Lord is basically, Lord, give me a new heart. Make me a new creation. I need you to do a mighty work in me. And, and it's a beautiful thing. But nevertheless, we still, after that, you know, our hearts can go south. And they need to be renewed and they need to get right in different daily and different seasons. And so David understood his own sin and the need for a new heart. And he said in Psalm 139, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And I like this because he kind of sums up problems with the heart into two categories. Anxieties, which could be the fears, the worries, the hurts, that whole end of it that's just really messes with our heart and ultimately if we don't deal with it it will lead us to sin where you get into see if there's any wicked way in me where you know worry and fear that can all lead to behaving in a real selfish way that hurts other people that's why God says don't worry fear not etc etc but David failing by committing adultery and sitting with Bathsheba he even wrote Psalm 51 where he goes on and says, the sacrifices of God are a broken and a contrite heart. That's the humility, like, I need you, I need your forgiveness. But he said, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. So for us, we're Christians. We're new in the Lord. But nevertheless, we still at times have to say, Lord, search me and know my heart. Know what's going on in my heart, my anxieties. See if there's any wicked way in me. Create in me a clean heart, oh God. And God is so good and so gracious, he does that. Uh, so, if there was someone in here right now who wasn't Christian, what you would do is you would say, Okay, I get it. I'm not perfect. I'm a sinner. And Jesus can give me a new heart. And I haven't said it, but he went to the cross. And the punishment I deserve, he took it so I could be forgiven. And he rose from the dead and, and conquered death. My two biggest problems is I need forgiveness and I need to conquer death. And he's knocking on the door of my heart. Yes. And right now, you would say, before we talk about keeping your heart, Let's just get you the new heart before we get started. Whoever confesses with their mouth, the Lord Jesus will be saved. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become his children, even his sons and daughters. So if anybody's hearing this later, now's the time just to say, Jesus, I receive you instead of reject you, and I need that new heart. But going on, one of my favorite verses, first ones I learned as a Christian was that God would heal the brokenhearted. And I don't know why, it was just, you know, I was in my 20s, girlfriends, this, that, and the other. And this guy who was kind of mentoring me, he shared with me, you know what, God will heal your broken heart, you know, when it gets hurt. And another one I learned was, 
Don't be anxious for anything, but by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And I, you know, there's something beautiful about not knowing much and just healthy hanging on to God's promises in faith, not error teaching, but just the good old truth of that where it's like, okay, Lord, my heart's hurting. I need you to heal it. Heal my heart. And then saying, Lord, my mind and my heart right now, I don't got any peace. I'm not doing well, but your word says, if I'll pray to you, you'll guard my heart and you will guard my mind. So, Lord, please guard my heart and my mind and give me that peace that surpasses all understanding. And sometimes that's, you say that prayer until God pours out and it happens. And actually, he pours out right away. It's just a matter of the work taking place. But with that in mind, it says this in Isaiah 61. This is a vision for the heart and life God wants each of us to have as Christians. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to comfort those who mourn, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted and give us beauty for ashes. I kind of thought of something new with this. It's a little bit out of context, but it makes a point. I always think of God healing my heart when he gets hurt. And you've probably all heard me say at different times where I talk about, don't live with a little crack. Broken is broken. Don't wait till it's a big crack to call out to God and say, heal my heart. It's when we get our feelings hurt, when we get rejected, when just little things where we, you know, our heart gets a little crack. He's going, yeah, no, I want to heal that before it gets worse. And it's, I don't know, we, we, we're busy, we're running. It's, sometimes it's just hard to do that. But it's beautiful when we do. But this is what I realized was this. We all have broken hearts, have healed hearts, will have broken hearts. It's just part of life. But there's something else. We all have broken hearts. Not like hurt, like, you know, someone hurt my feelings, but like broken. They're not working right. There's lust, pride, envy, anger, all, you know, all the things that we were reading there. That's a broken heart. And God wants to and will graciously, lovingly work with us on those issues and root them out of us if we let them. And if we don't, the consequences are never no fun. But it says this, a uh, quotable quote that I hear a pastor say all the time, which I agree with 90% of the time. It says this, hurt people, hurt people. Hurt people, hurt people. And the reason I say 90% of the time, we all get hurt. I don't always go and hurt people when I get hurt, especially if I go to God and say, heal my hurt, heal my brokenhearted. But if we don't let God heal our hurt, on some level, we usually hurt other people, even if we just abandon them and pull back and isolate ourselves. You know, there's different ways of hurting people. It, it's not... It's not good. So what we need to do is be hurt people who go to the heart healer who heals our hurts. And it's kind of something we just got to get in a rhythm of in life. Because if we're going to be the men and women God wants to be, we're not going to pull back behind the fortresses 
and shut ourselves in so we never get hurt again because that's not the life he intended for us. So uh, I love that we've been going through the one another teachings in the Bible. There's like 60 of them in the New Testament. Love one another, forgive one another. Ultimately, they're all kind of grounded in love one another as I have loved you, Jesus said. Love one another as I have loved you. And there's different ways we love each other, forgiving, comforting, exhorting. But the priority isn't love one another. This is like horizontal. That's secondary. The primary thing is let Jesus love us first. Love one another as I have loved you. Jesus loves us, but will we let him love on us? You know, do we grow in going to him and just letting him love on us, letting him heal at us, letting him keep our heart right? And it's so much better when we do that because then he fills our hearts with his love so we can love one another. So back to Proverbs chapter 4. It says, my son, give attention to my words, incline your ear to my sayings, do not let them depart from your eyes, keep them in the midst of your heart. Some of the solutions to having a heart right with God are just, they're right here in the chapter. Keep God's word in the midst of our heart, central. It goes on, it says, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Sometimes we need to have an understanding and a value of God's word. God's word being preeminent in my heart, that's where I'm going to have life. That's where it's going to be life to all my heart and all my flesh. I, God's word is the most precious thing to revitalize me and renew me and keep me right. But he goes on and says this, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it proceed the issues of life. Some versions say guard your heart. And I don't want to go too much down a rabbit trail, but guarding your heart is a really good thing to do. People do that. Set up boundaries. Guard your heart, you know, protect your heart from getting hurt. There's some wisdom to that, especially if you have kids or a spouse or something, where you'll actually intervene in protecting people from hurting them, and it's good. But there's a point when we become an adult Christian where we guard our heart to keep it healthy, to keep it really healthy. And when it's really healthy, it's like the full armor of God where he says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Well, we don't wrestle against people, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness in the heavenly places and on and on and on. So therefore, be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. Put on the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit praying with all prayer so what you have is you have a healed whole heart suited up to go out god calls us to go out and even though we're healed and whole and suited up there's going to be injuries in the battle and that's when you pull back and say all right lord heal my heart that was rough you know you were despised and rejected that ouch that hurt when they despised and rejected me Ah, oh, it hurt worse when they didn't despise and reject me because I was showing your love. I was just being a jerk. <laughs> you know, just things like that where, but you get the vision. This is God's word, his vision. But you know what I really loved about this where it says keep your heart. I'm totally into keeping things organized. 
And when I say totally into it, I don't mean I'm always a success, a success at it, but I love it. And, you know, everybody these nowadays is kind of on the roll, like, you know, where you, you keep your house in order, you remodel it, you do your closet, you do all this stuff. You keep things the way they should be. When it breaks, you fix it. When, um, when it needs repairing, you repair it. When it needs replacing, you replace it. And it's hard not to get on that bandwagon because we have such good information out there now to watch on remodels and room additions. And it's all good, but there's something that feels really good when you've kept your house in order. But kept, even if you use the word kept or keep as opposed to guard, it also means to keep it safe. And people, people all the time, you know, it's kind of pretty big. We protect our house, we protect our cars, our businesses, uh, with security, with all the different elements that we might use, but keeping things clean and order and restored and keeping things protected, it's all good. It feels really good when we're on that roll. And what's interesting about that is in God's word, he's not opposed to that. Even in Proverbs, he says, I went to the field of the lazy man and his, you know, it was covered in and thorns and etc and he was saying dude you're not keeping up the thing and it's you know it's not good but if you go through God's word that's secondary again the primary thing he wants us to keep and protect and preserve and keep healthy is our hearts even as I was doing this I got a I got remodel stuff going on mom's my side of the house which is my place this on and you know different things all over the place and I'm actually studying for this and going okay Lord I'll enjoy doing all those projects a lot more if I make my heart being right with you and others first it's so much better it's you know it's uh I don't want to go on too much with that so but it says keep your heart with all diligence oh you know what's wild is I all of a sudden I thought of some of you will relate to this. There's an old magazine called Good Housekeeping. I was like, is that thing still around? So I Googled it, and it was Keep Your Heart, Good Housekeeping. Anyways, that was a little rabbit trail I went on. But it's encouraging when we have help, you know, to keep things the way they should be. It says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it proceed the issues of life. We don't have to go on much with that, but, you know, it's like in Proverbs where it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. All diligence. We kind of get on rolls. Sometimes we've got wind in our sails, and we're keeping it all together, all diligence, and then we just get tired, or we just get burnt out. And that's life, and that's okay. There's rhythms of rest and work and figuring out what makes you the most productive in the long run is something that can be sorted out with the Lord and with actually people who know how to do that stuff. I love coaching. If it was up to me, I'd have a personal assistant, personal coach for training. Uh, even though I like organizing, it's like, you do it way better than I do. Can I hire you? I checked. It's like crazy what it costs. So it's really cool when you get help. But uh, through God's strength, through his spirit, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. And it's not by might, not by power, but by my Holy Spirit. And God strengthens us in the inner man like in Ephesians. He can enable us 
to keep our hearts in order, whatever that may mean. So can you turn to Matthew chapter 13? We're going to read the parable of the sowers. And it's pretty long, so we're just kind of read through it, and then we'll review it. But it's really self-explanatory. Matthew chapter 13, verse 1, says, excuse me, uh, is it verse 3 where it says, then he spoke? I can't see that number, and I didn't bring reading glasses up here. <laughs> then he spoke many things to them, parable saying, behold, a sower went out to sow, and he, as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air devoured them. Some fell in stony places where they did not have much earth and immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. But some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. Others fell on good grounds and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Down to verse 18. Jesus explains the parable. It says in verse 18, Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in the heart. This is he who receives the seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives with joy receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation and persecution arise, because of the word, tribulation and persecution arise because of the word, immediately they stumble. Now he who received among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. But he who received the seed on good ground is he who hears the word, understands it, keeps it, bears fruit, and produces some hundred and some sixty and some thirty. It's such a cool verse because when Jesus explains it, he actually talks about someone who's into farming and soil and planting. The seed's got to take and the plant's got to grow and it's got to be healthy. And there's things that will keep the plant from not taking and dying and biting the dust. That is half people who have plants. So what's interesting with this is Jesus actually says in verse 8. When he's talking about the wayside, he says, the seed that fell by the, the seed is the word of God. He says a picture of God's word going out. We all hear God's word at a, at a Sunday service when we read God's word, when someone shares with it one-on-one, -on -one, when we listen to the radio, watch it on TV, there's ways that we receive God's word. And what God wants is he wants our hearts, if they're kept, to be in a place where they'll receive the word and he can accomplish what he wants. And he actually says one of the first things that happens is people's hearts get like a hard path the wayside. It's hard. The seed doesn't even penetrate it. It's just on the surface, and some, the birds come along and pluck it up, and Jesus actually said, it's not the birds, it's Satan. 
as we've been going through Thessalonians, Chris has kind of talked about the devil a little more than you normally would because he said, you know, uh, Paul talked about Satan hindering him. Uh, we were just in chapter 3 where it says, I was concerned that when the tempter came, the tempter would tempt you. So Paul's like, I know what it's like to get tempted. I don't want you guys to get tempted. And Jesus literally here says one of the main things that steals the word from us is the devil. That's Jesus talking. But here's what it gets down to. If we have a heart that's like the wayside, hard soil, we basically have no room for the word in our life. And what came to my mind is where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what happens is we don't treasure God's word enough to hang on to it, to hold on to it, to let it penetrate, even when we're struggling. It, it's kind of like a, and we almost get into the habit of it. I, I really like listening to the word, and sometimes I'll just listen to the word being read to me, and I'll just go, wow, the last half hour, I had just shut it off. It's in my ear. I don't even know. I was, my mind was wandering. You know, I, and so I've started to slow down and go, if I'm going to listen, I'm going to listen. Uh, so anyways, what we want to do is value God's word. We want to value it and treasure it. And even if our heart is going through a hard time and it's a little hard, we still hang on to it. We don't let the devil come and rip, rip it off from us. The second one was the stony places. And what happens with the stony places is there's enough soil for the word to go in, but because of the rocks, the roots go in, but they don't take root and it dies. Um, sorry. So what we want to do as far as keeping our hearts in the right place and not having a stony heart is we want to value God's word enough, treasure it enough that even when we receive it and roots are taking place, we really value it even more and go, man, I want these roots to go deep. This is something you spoke to me, Lord. I'm getting it. I'm kind of growing in it. You're speaking to me. And what happens? We, God's saying, I'm not done yet, but we're done. We're distracted. We're off into something else. And it's just part of life and growing. We all do it. There's grace, there's mercy, but it's a ripoff because God wanted those roots to go deep. Like God might be speaking to someone about forgiveness and he's not done yet. And they just go, no, this is what God's speaking about now. I'm, you know what? I really need to get over this hump and this battle and this wall where I deal with condemnation and feeling like I'm not loved and I'm not forgiven. And I need to believe that Jesus' work on the cross, it is finished. He paid the price for my sins. He loves me. He forgives me. I'm washed fresh as white snow. I'm clean. I'm forgiven. That's like letting the roots go deep. Instead of you kind of get it, and you had a couple weeks of enjoying that type of relationship, and then it's back to the old me or you, who's always dealing with condemnation, always dealing with not feeling forgiven. It's a ripoff. So, uh, thorny soil. This is the one I really like, the thorny soil. like it. It's because it's such reality. It says, the seed that fell in thorny soil is the person where it takes root, it even grows better, but then it ends up dying. And an interesting thing that I read was one commentator said, 
the thorny soil is actually where the soil's pretty good, like God's work can go in and grow, but the soil's good for a whole bunch of other stuff to grow. We have so much other stuff in our heart, in our life growing, and some of it actually ends up being bad, weeds and thorns, or it chokes God's word. And God's word is greater than all this. That's a whole other story. But nevertheless, the, deceitful, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the pleasures of this life, that's what we deal with every day. A common scenario is we leave church, we head out the door, we heard the word, and right away, instead of valuing and treasuring what God spoke to our hearts, what he was trying to teach us that day, the cares of this world just kind of, we're right, we, we can't, we're consumed with what's going on in our life, whether it be business, family, issues, uh, the deceitfulness of riches. Sometimes it's not all these concerns. It's just, it's not the day to be thinking about paying the bills or making your money. And the next day is. And I'm not saying that's, it's not the day today, but I'm talking about priorities. It's kind of like, it's a classic thing with morning devotions, where you go, I'm going to spend some time with the Lord. My mind is all ready to go in and go tackle that stuff, and all that stuff is good. Because I'm going to be working, I'm going to be helping, I'm going to be taking care of people. It's all good, but you know what? I need the Lord first. And then he will enable me. It can wait. He'll, I'll be more productive with his wisdom, with his strength, with his grace. So cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches. And then one says the pleasures of this life. God is totally into us being healthy and, and enjoying the pleasures of this life. But it's never at the expense of our relationship with him. And what's wild is it's just part of life that these three things always try to take precedent over our relationship with God. And there's such grace and mercy when we fail. It's no different in a relationship, classic marriage relationship. Can you put your hobby over your wife? Maybe occasionally if she's really gracious. <laughs> if she's super gracious, it might destroy everything because you, you took advantage of it. Give a minute, she'll take a mile. Can you put your work over your relationship? No. And that has a different dynamic. Sometimes someone can be working 15 hours a day six days a week, taking one day off, and given their situation, whatever's going on, they're not, they're not putting their work ahead. It's a season they're in. It's a job they have. But it's a matter of the heart and, and also actions where there is time for God and there is time for the people. And if there's no time for God and there's no time for the people, then you can't even go with what I just said, the 15 hours a day is okay. But it's so beautiful how God wants to renew our hearts, to do a mighty work in us of not letting us live this yo-yo life up and down where uh, our hearts are just not kept. And when Chris was talking about the tempter tempting, the Bible says, the thief does not come except to kill, devour, and destroy. And Satan goes about as a roaring lion thinking who might kill, devour, and destroy. Well, let's narrow it down. The one thing he wants to destroy and kill is our relationship with God and our relationship with one another. Aside from the fact he'd like to take our lives. But we don't want to let the tempter tempt us, and we want to not go down that road. Jesus taught this 
because he knew he'd deal with it, and he was trying to help. This is Jesus' words. So we want to keep our heart with all diligence, for out of it proceed the issues of life. i got to close this up, but I want to share something. You know, so it was really early. Uh, uh, we've got a, a big jacuzzi and pool in a common area that nobody's at ever, hardly, except for in the midday. I was up there early, and I followed up with my friend and sent him a text and said, cause, and usually I don't do that. We just, I don't do it. I was like, I sent him a text about Psalm 62 because I read it that morning. And Psalm 62, my friend who was, got uh, ripped off. It was about pouring out your heart to God, trusting in him when you're being attacked and assaulted and ripped off, basically. And I just sent him a text and said, I encourage you to read this, uh, whatever, blah, 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 blah. So what happens is, is when I get home and I go out and check my car, that same morning, an hour later, my car had been totally ripped off. <laughs> it's like, you know, like, uh, whatever, three, $400 worth of stuff. But, like, gym bag, all clothes out up, and all my surf stuff. Thankfully, I didn't leave my board in, and a bunch of other stuff. But here's the bottom line. Then I sent him back a text, and I said, uh, I texted him back, and I said, well, I think I need to read Psalm 62. I think it's for me today, so my heart doesn't go south. And then I actually added to it Ephesians where it says, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. And I added a little prayer like, Lord, I pray for justice for the people who are doing this so it doesn't happen to someone else. Uh, that's a whole other story. Kind of, I want justice with a loving heart because people need to pay their consequences. But you know, when we fail, or family members fail, then we're like, Lord, show mercy and justice. You know exactly what would be best for this person. And, and that's what I always pray. You know what's best. Uh, not too harsh, not too lenient. your will, because it's love and it's a restoration. So I'm, I'm going through this in my heart, but here's the bottom line. And then I, so anyway, I sent that to him. And you know, that's Ephesians. It says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, harsh words evil speaking, be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as Christ forgave you. In Hebrews, it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of God. And then when Jesus passes out communion, he says this, this is my body broken for you, this is my blood that's going to be shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And the reason I kind of threw that in is because God's vision for us as far as a kept heart, a healed heart, and in here, a tender heart. Tender. Kind and tender. It's, you know what? It takes God. If you got relationships, some people are better than others, but we're talking about like, when you can't do it on your own and God does it, that's what we do. And he answers that prayer and gets us back to a tender heart. What's the opposite of a tender heart? Hard heart. So as we close, I watched a movie this last couple of weeks. And there's always all these movies that come out where, you know, the person passes away. They go to heaven, but they left some unfinished business down on earth. And in this story, the gal, young, in her prime, passes away. And she actually goes to an in-between place. 
is not biblical. And meets an angel. And the angel says, well, you might go up, you might go down. We'll see. You're going to have three things you've got to take care of. You've got some unfinished business. We're going to send you back. But they won't be able to see you. And long story short, ultimately, there's her best friend, her mom, and her dad was the unfinished business. Her best friend was actually able to see her, which happens occasionally. And it happened with her. And so she helped her contact and talk with her mom and dad. And what happened was, was she finally apologized to her best friend for life for getting selfish and just so busy in her life. And this, she was very successful in the city, roll on a roll, having fun, and she kind of burned her best friend. The mom abandoned her, and she had never forgiven her. The dad was there kicking in, doing everything, and he kind of got, you know, we're all that way. Sometimes we just take advantage of the people who give us the most. You know, it's just a bad habit we all get into. So anyways, all that to say, she works through it all and through a series of events, gets right with her best friend, gets right with her mom, and actually is able to kind of communicate to her through some, you know, a card. And they go, oh, well, I think that was, that was my daughter saying it's okay. And then with her dad, I don't want to bring confusion in here. That all happened. And it was a happy ending. She went to heaven. They were all happy. So you know what? That's not the way it works. That is not the way it works. Uh, it says this. It says, as it is said, today if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters, make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving turning you away from the living God, but encourage each other daily while it is still called today so that none of you is hardened by the sin's deception. As it is said, today if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. And you know what that actually means? We don't have tomorrow if they pass away. We don't have tomorrow if we pass away. Today is the day of salvation if someone had received Jesus. But for those of us all in here who have, today is the day to get our hearts right, to get our relationships right. And it starts in our heart. God may say, you got to con contact someone this week. It may be today, it may, t may be tomorrow. But we don't want unfinished business in our lives. We want to, as God's speaking to us, let him keep our hearts pure. He, we want to have kept hearts, not a bunch of unfinished business. So we need to pray. That was, as we pray, maybe this could be your prayer. I would have lost heart unless I had believed I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait on the Lord, I say. Bring everything to him in prayer. And he will give you the peace that passes all understanding that will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Where there's brokenness and we've been burned, he will bring beauty. Lord, I just pray for everyone here, myself included. Just help us to have a good relationship with you. Heal us up. Help get our hearts right. And thank you that your yoke is easy and your burden is light, and it's something you do. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name.
Amen.